really the goal is just to use our stories to bring veterinary medicine to life for the pet caretakers of the world. Uh, and we're doing it because we believe that educating these caretakers is the most powerful thing that we can do to improve the life quality of all of the pets that we love. Well, hi, we're back again. This is uh, Dr. Natalie Keith. And I'm Dr. Tracy Trussell. I know, which is really exciting because, uh, so Dr. Trussell and I have been uh, business partners for 13 years and um, just started Vet Tales not too long ago, but this is your first episode because I'm kind of the talker. That is correct. <laughs> uh, as it were. Um, but yeah, so I got you to come sit down with me because a couple of things. Um, one, uh, the Facebook Live people were like, do you think Tracy will ever do one? And I was like, maybe. Uh, so I'm going to try to pull up the lives for them because I kind of forgot to do that earlier. Um, but, but the people love watching you. Um, and so we're going to do that. And then also I brought you today specifically because uh, I wanted to talk about masses or growths. All right. Are, are there any other words? Uh, masses, growths, lumps, tumors. Oh yeah, tumors. They used to call that. They call them tumor, tumors a lot. Yeah. Bumps. Yeah. yeah. Back when I got out of vet school, way back in the Stone Ages, um, a lot of them, uh, the surgeries were just called lumpectomies. Yes. Uh, uh, which well, is a little crazy, I thought. Yeah. Um, it's picking. Yeah, there you go. Uh, right. So anyway, so why why do you think I wanted you to come talk about masses? Um, because I'm the one that takes most of them off. <laughs> exactly why. <laughs> He's the lumpectomyist. Yeah, I'm, I'm the one that takes 95% of them off, probably. Yes, the surgeon of the crew. I mean, granted, we all can do mass removals, but that's kind of your wheelhouse, is staying in the surgery room, doing right. the surgery things. And so, um, so I thought, well, who better to talk to about masses? Because you've seen them inside out, um, seen all them through the everywhere, everywhere, all the kinds, all the kinds. Yeah, because I mean, I, granted, this is our thirteenth year working together, but you've been at this how long now? Uh, Nineteen years. Which is weird, since you're only twenty-four, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, yes, some experience. You see a lot of stuff in 19 years. Yes. Um, so I was hoping that maybe you could just tell people what is a mass or a lump or a tumor or a growth or a what? Oh, it's basically any group of cells that is abnormal in where they are. Um, you know, like, for instance, I, I did one today, did a lipoma, which is a fatty tumor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all bodies have fat in there, but these fat cells have conglomerated, and they're just not not doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So it you can see it on the skin on on a lot of them that we see. They're they're external. You can see them on the skin. You can see a deviation in the skin. Feel uh, them, touch you them. Feel them, touch them, move them around. Some of them, um, but it's just some some cells that are most of them naturally occurring in the body. They just or acting weird. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think if I had a dime for every time I explained a, a lipoma as an abnormal congregation of fat cells. Yes. I could, you know, probably have a nice dinner at least. Yes. At least a nice dinner. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, okay, so why do you think people are bringing us these lumps and bumps? Uh, to find out what they are. Right. Um, and, and probably even deeper than that, to find out what, what the results are. What are those lumps and bumps? What is this lump and bump going to do to our pet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, walk us through what that looks like. What is the, the process of getting that answer? Uh, well, there's a couple of different ways we can get that answer. Um, and part of it depends on, on what we feel like it, it may be. Yeah, because you kind of um, have an in inclination of what you think the growth is going to consist of. Right, you got, you got a pretty good idea. I mean, just from, from experience, and, and that's where it comes from just knowing kind of what growths are in what areas of the body, what they look like, what they feel like. Um, we do some fine needle aspirates where we just take a needle, put inside the mask, get a few cells out, look at them on a slide, can get an idea there. Some of the masses that we're a little more concerned with about metastasis where they go elsewhere in the body yeah, than just where they to are. Yeah, spreading to other organs. everywhere. Anywhere. Um, a, a lot of times I I don't opt for the fine needle aspirate because I don't want that track. If we can't get to surgery for a week or, you know, say, I don't want that track. You know, if I did go all the way through with the needle, I don't want to introduce those tumor cells somewhere that they're not. Right. Because certain cancers can right. take advantage of those tracks. Yes. Yeah. There was Especially a, like the transitional cell carcinomas in the bladder. Yes. Which we haven't even talked about the lumps and bumps you can't see. Those are the scary yeah. ones to be yeah, honest. The, yeah. Those are the really scary ones. Yeah. I think owners come in like worried about the lumps they see and we are worried about the lumps that nobody sees. Right. Yeah. It's um, just a, a quick side note because they can act really weird uh, when I was actually still in vet school a long time ago I was on preceptor and we had a cat that it was about 15 months prior to me getting there they had diagnosed with an oral squamous cell carcinoma a little bitty lump on the tongue and said at the time it wasn't much more than the size of a pinhead and took it off doing the cat's doing fine comes back a year later and it's there about the size of a BB they take it off and then about three months later, which is when I'm there, on a Thursday afternoon, we take it off. It's a little bigger than an English pea, not nothing crazy. Are English peas bigger or smaller than a traditional pea? Uh, well, I, I just call them English peas. I think they're probably traditional peas. Okay, I'm just but curious. I've just never heard English pea before, so I was trying to picture The little green it. round ones? Yeah, like a, yeah. Yeah, like a yeah. pea, like a can, a can of peas. Yeah, those are English peas. <laughs> okay. Yeah, same thing. Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah. Um, we took that off. Probably went to surgery about 3 o'clock that afternoon, Thursday afternoon. That following Saturday morning. I don't like where this story's going. No. The cat shows back up 8 o'clock in the morning. There's nothing but tumor in its mouth. Just blew just up. Just blew up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because, uh, you know, I think... Um, just going back to the original description of what it is a mass, and this is abnormal congregation of cells, but also those cells behave abnormally and they start to mutate. Um, and so then they can do really wild and crazy things and they don't, yes. they don't behave like a normal cell. No. I remember I took a pathology, um, like summer internship or whatever you want to call it. Like I worked in the pathology lab over the summer of my second into third year of vet school. And I remember them like looking at these samples of these 
tumors and then being like, we think it used to be this. But it was like so morphed and changed that they really weren't yeah. even 100% sure what it used to be when it was a normal healthy cell. Yeah, the cellular structure does not... Yeah, they could kind of lump it into yeah. a, you know, a, a, a broad category, let's say. But it doesn't look like a, a, a normal or remnants of a normal liver cell or spleen cell mm -hmm. or, or kidney yeah, cell. Yeah, you're just like, it, it, it just... used to be like a squamous cell. That's as close as right. I can get you. And so that those those aggressive ones like that, those are terrifying. They are. They do not play by the rules. They are. And on a lot of those that we suspect would be aggressive, the other way that we'll diagnose them, and, and the one to get the ideally the best possible diagnosis, most accurate diagnosis, is we take them off and then send them to the histopathologist, the people that look through the microscopes all day, every day mm -hmm. at these. Um, so tell them why that's better than a cytology. Um, the histopathologist will actually take the, the complete mass, the complete lump that we send, and, and I don't know what all kind of fancy magic they do to it, but they fix it and then they start slicing the whole thing up and put little slices of the whole thing on the slide yeah. to be able to look at it. Whereas if we're doing the finding last work, we've got a little track, usually 20 to 22 gauge needle we go in with. So it's it's a very small core sample that we're getting, mm -hmm. hopefully. And then you're um, blowing them out haphazardly onto a slide. Right. So, I mean, you can cause some damage to the cells in that way as they're, they're getting on the slide, as they're coming back through the needle. Uh, I mean, cause some damage to, to them going in with the needle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if they have a, a complete mass to be able to to fix and slice and lay complete full thin slices, you know, one or two cell layers thick on the slide. Mm -hmm. They have a bigger population to look at so you can it's get It's about a, the architecture too, right. you know. Like I always think about it like this may this may hit a little too close to home for us, but I think about it like this. If you have a cross section of a building, you have a much better idea of what that building is than if you have like post tornado debris where you have right. like a doorknob and like maybe a piece of an x-ray machine and like, you know, something like a microscope. You're like, oh, I bet this was at like a medical place. You know, it's just much harder to to see the, the full picture. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is. I've got that in my pasture right now. Yes. If you yeah, didn't literally know, if you too didn't close know to yeah. that that used to be a calf shed. You might not know it. It's just some kind of building. It's just a chunk of wood and, and tin. Yeah. Yeah, so poor Dr. Trussell, we lost our building in April to a tornado, so we're sitting in a trailer that we're renting via insurance right, right now. And then, um, which is why the air conditioner is so loud in the background, in case anybody yes. hears that buzzing, is like, what is that noise? It's the air conditioner. Um, and then, like, literally four months, five months later, four and a half months, uh, Dr. Trussell loses his uh, barn and shed and back porch to yes. a downburst. Yep. Which I just learned about myself, which is not our podcast topic, so. No. Anyway, but yes, tornado debris is the same thing as a aspirate cytology. You're going to find some damaged remnants of what used to be inside of that building, if you will. All right. But then the histopathologist can take you through with the video camera and you can see that a building. Tour. And you give it a little tour. A little tour. So, a little tour of that tumor. So okay. that, that's why it is better. And that's why on, on some of those that I consider that I think have the potential to be aggressive, um, one of the big ones is the anal gland masses. Mm. Um, I, I I don't know that I've ever done a fine needle aspirate on one of those, and I don't think I ever will. Mm -hmm. Just because most of those are adenocarcinomas, they're mm -hmm. bad. And they uh, love to go places. And they 
you get them out of that anal gland, they will go everywhere. Yes. So we just go in and take them out. Yeah. Take the whole anal gland out. Yeah. Um, my probably second least favorite surgery, I'm pretty sure there's another one that's more of my least favorite, but I'm not sure which one. Maybe a PU. Possibly. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so some, some of those more that, that may have the ability to be more aggressive historically, you know, of what we found in there. I won't do the fine needle aspirate because I don't want to take the risk of what it can do, knowing yeah. what it can do on on the, the back side, and just do a full mass removal, take the margins that I think are going to to get what we need to get a full tumor, and then send them off. Mm-hmm. And then, like, so what's the point of that then? So they give you this answer of what it is. What do you do? Because a lot of people are like, why? Like, it's gone now. I'm not going to do chemo. I hear that, like, three times mm-hmm. a week. Well, is it gone? Yeah. One. That's the question. Where would it go if it's not? Like, like so you take off a, a, a skin tumor that's bleeding, let's say, and it comes back with an amangiosarcoma diagnosis. What are you going to do? Uh, well, we've got a, a couple of options. One, we're going to watch that site really closely. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at the reports. Recurrence concerns. Like, is it going to come back there? Right. We're going to yeah, look at the report, see kind of what stage it was, how aggressive they think it's going to be. Um, those reports are not always 100%, and the guys that are reading it will tell you that. Um, if they won't tell you that, they're lying. Um, <laughs> they have I mean, honestly. Their, uh, what is it they say? Um, uh, seldom wrong. No, wait. It's a ne- oh, wait. Hold on. It's going to come to me. How does it go? Does, Often does it wrong. Say? Never in doubt. That's right. <laughs> That's it. That's right. Um, yeah. But, I mean, because they're human, too. Mm-hmm. So, and but, they're working with a limited amount of information still, right? I and mean, they, Mother Nature. Yeah, yeah. They have the the history that we give them, the tissue that we give them. They haven't seen the patient. They haven't seen the the full history. You know, they have been seeing this patient three times a year for the last nine years. Mm-hmm. They don't have that that information that we have. Yeah. Um, so, and, and sometimes we'll call and, and help them with that. You know, if there's a question in there. But they can they can be wrong um, on times and and sometimes to no get fault to, of their own. Yeah, yeah. To no fault of their own. They're doing what what it appears. I mean, it's their opinion is what it is that we're getting. Yeah, that was the main epiphany I had that summer. Was I would like there'd be a tough case and you would see the pathologist like walk down the hall to every office. What do you think about that? What do you think about this one? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, y'all! Do, I thought this was fact. It's not. No. It's their opinion. Yes. And and several times they will go get five or six but opinions. Educated. Educated yeah, right. opinion. Um, get five or six opinions. The and more if, opinions you have, the less sure they are of their diagnosis. Yeah. For, you know, if for you sure. have, go ask five and you have four of them say the one thing, there's a pretty good chance that you're yeah. there. But if you go ask six and you get three of them, you get two and two saying one thing you get three different answers with two each with yeah. two each yeah if you have six different answers just go home for the yeah. day and try again tomorrow yeah, yeah it's, it's not going to be there yeah um but anyway so we look at the report for that just kind of see what it is what their opinion is what it looks like um and then one thing i really look at is the margins because certain masses certain types of masses you need certain yeah. length of margins from into what they call clean tissue, where you don't have any cells, abnormal that cells, abnormal remaining. cells, um, to classify it as as gone. Yeah. 
or, or completely excised, I think is the, the wording that he used on there, but basically where it's gone. Uh, but even at that point, if it's one of the aggressive tumors, um, you know, the hemangiosarcomas, uh, mast cell tumors are, are big for this. You know, yeah, it may be gone completely there, but that doesn't mean one or two of those cells didn't sneak out before we got it removed, mm -hmm. and they're facing to be popping back up. Yep. Um, and another thing we do look for, if we have room, is if we didn't get full margins, we know exactly where we were, we can go back in and take bigger and deeper margins. Yep. Um, you know, to a point, you know, if you have something on the rib cage, there's only so deep you can go. We don't want to be yeah. cutting, cutting ribs out. No, and nor do we want to perforate the thoracic cavity. Right. XNA on that. Yeah. Um, do you not know, recommend. So, so you have some, some limitations. I mean, it can be done. Yeah. Um, there's some specialists that will do that. I will not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you need, like, ventilators and stuff. Yeah, you got to have ventilators and... and uh, a little more experience than I have. Uh, you have plenty that. of experience, but just not with that particular. Not for that particular. We thing. avoid them. Yes. And luckily, it's rare. That, like, it is rare. It is rare. Um, you know, I've had several trying to go down. I'd have to scrape all the way on the leg, scrape all oh. the way down to the bone. Um, Am I the only one cringing when he said that? Just no, because I cringe a little bit too yeah. every time I do it. Uh, and still wasn't deep enough. And yeah. Uh, what know, are you going to so, do? You can't go anywhere else. So. No, you, you can't go any deeper. So, but if we have room and, you know, enough tissue there and the ability, we can go back in and take some bigger margins if we need to. Uh, but then it also, you know, they grade it, tell us how aggressive they think it's going to be. Uh, and some of them, they'll give us kind of life expectancies. Like it, typically when we see this type of tumor with this grade, the statistics on the lifespan post-diagnosis is X, Y, Z. Right, and, and they may get one that say, Without any treatment, we've got six months with, you know, full chemo treatment. They're seeing 18 months, you know, and that's on average, which means that not all of them make it there and some of them make it longer. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we've got to weigh that. Is it worth the further treatment or well, not? And like back to the, like the hemangiosarcoma, for example, as soon as I get that diagnosis, uh, now, granted, you're a surgeon, but I'm internal medicine. So the first thing I'm thinking is spleen. Mm -hmm. uh, is it on the spleen already? If it is, I need that spleen out before it's in the liver too. And so um, we're doing abdominal, like we'll do, a lot of times when we check these tumor dogs in, they're coming in for a mass removal, we will do a, um, what we call a MET check. And so we'll do imaging. So x-rays of the chest and abdominal ultrasound to see is it inside as well. Because when this dog is out, we need to be removing... The spleen, if it's in the spleen, that's just like, I'm, I'm going to start recommending splenectomies on spays. That's probably not as bad Just ideas. save me the trouble when the dog's nine. Right. Please. Hate the spleen and all of its tumors. Everything ends up in the spleen or the yes. lungs. But, and the problem with but the they need the lungs. The problem with the spleen is, is they don't show any signs or symptoms of it until they're almost done. Yeah. So they're when almost you, gone. Yeah. When you have your veterinarian going like, we should do some screening. And you're like, my dog's fine. And we're like, I well, yeah, but I'd like to find this before your dog's not fine. Because then we're in a whole different pickle. It's already metastasized and spread to other organs and da-da-da-da-da. Right. And it's so common, like so common. That you, We do multiple splenectomies for tumors a month, yeah. depending on the month. Yeah, depending. I mean, we probably average, I mean, honestly, probably 20 a year. Yeah, that feels fair. You know, wh you'll which, have four in a week, and then you might have a dry period for six weeks where everybody's right. spleen is behaving. 
yeah. itself. Um, the problem with the the splenic tumors, um, I don't know how many of you guys know that the spleen is basically the blood bank in there. That's where you deposit the red blood cells. You need them. The spleen contracts, puts them out in the, the tissues. Well, it's just like in the vault of the bank. You have that tumor on the spleen and it ruptures. That means the vault in the bank where all the money's kept, somebody just knocked a hole in the wall. That's right. And now so you got all that no money. Just leaving. That's right. It left. Yeah. And, uh, you start losing blood like that, you don't don't have a long time. No, you know, we do have something, but like even still, okay, so for example, we had an older golden doodle in a couple months ago and she had this gnarly tumor on her abdomen that was, it really was like, probably like a mammary adenocarcinoma gone wrong. I don't know, it was very unusual, atypical for any like of the quote unquote normal tumors we see. Right. And um, that dog had a spleen rupture owner did not want to remove the spleen she wanted to do palliative care and so we put her on like clotting meds and iron supplements and the dog's doing pretty well mm -hmm. i mean you know hasn't it's been maybe what did i say a couple weeks a, couple, a month how long's mm, that been it's probably been a month yeah probably close to it time slips for me sometimes but either way i have had dogs with ruptured spleens live six months on on just some clotting factors support mm -hmm. and so i think i guess my point with that is some people are like well but i wouldn't do surgery anyway well i wouldn't do chemo anyway well just because you wouldn't do chemo which i totally get uh, if we're going to be transparent i don't think i would right. do chemo on my dogs because i just don't feel like the I, I haven't seen enough longevity success with it i've seen a couple of dogs over the years right. I, I, I might on a few depends on the kind of cancer on the, yeah on, yeah on, on, on what it is but yeah, no judgment if you don't. No. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't do anything. If we know what we're up against, then at least we can explore the options that we have. Right. So that would be my, my take home. If you're in the camp of, I'm not going to do anything because I wouldn't go to chemo or because I wouldn't do surgery, that doesn't mean that we don't have options, for sure. Right. I mean, there's, we very seldom do we not have some option in there. Yeah. You know, now it may not be a great option, and, and our time frame may not be long. Mm-hmm. But at least you know what you got. We know what we've got. You know, and say maybe we can. Uh, I've had, I think it was last last year, year before, I had one. Um, we had a liver tumor that was leaking, and inoperable. Really couldn't take. It was kind of diffused through the liver. Couldn't take the whole liver. And I want to say it was around the first of December, somewhere in there. And they had a had a child, a son, I think, that was out of state at college, and they're like, "Hey, we can we just need to buy time? Can we just buy some time to where we can get the son home? Because that was his dog, you know. He couldn't take it to college. Mm -hmm. You know, he's living in the dorms, um, just to buy some time. And I'm like, yeah, I can probably get you a couple of weeks, but you know, we're at the first of December. I said I can't get you Christmas." Yeah. You know, but I can, I can probably get you a couple of weeks and you can get home and, and spend a day or two with his dog. Yeah. And, and, and you never so. know. You know, they, they'll surprise me. I've seen them surprise me on both ends of the spectrum where I really thought we should have had months and we had days and other times where I thought we were going to have days and we had months. Right. They just don't have an expiration date. On no, them. they don't. You, I've checked all four paws. Yeah. No. Nothing, nothing down there. No. I mean, we, we go. So you just do the best you can. Yeah, because it if we give you recommendations or ideas of what you know the timeline is it's it's our best guess just from what we've seen historically and there there are definitely some outliers mm -hmm. um 
yeah, we've had some that come in that you think, oh yeah, we've got, you know, nine, nine months, 12 months, and two weeks later they're gone. And yeah. And some you're like, I don't know if we're going to be alive in the morning. And three months later, they're still going. Yep. Yeah. It's just, yeah. So there's no rules. You just got to do no. the best you can and work with what you got and hope for the best and all those things. So um, I think the thing I would like for people to walk away from this podcast with is, you know, what are their sort of like, what's their walking knowledge on this? Like um, in my mind, when I, I did a brief Facebook live a few years ago about masses and I was like, okay, here's where, here's where we're worried. If it's bigger than a P, if it's growing, if it is changing in terms of like losing hair, mm -hmm. um, if it's bleeding, or if it's super firm, yes, like not soft and squishy, because uh, almost every dog at some point, like even Max, it has multiple lipomas. They're little, mm -hmm. you know, they're about P to half a grape sized, you know, a few of them on his on his chest, and um, they're soft, they're squishy, they're freely movable, they don't grow, they don't change, they are not painful, they don't bleed, the hair doesn't fall off, like all of those things that are worrisome, right. But if you're seeing any of those symptoms. Then we want to assess them initially uh -huh. um, because I have had some that, that felt like it could be something pretty major and turns out to be a little lipoma, a little fatty tumor. Yeah, uh, or like the papillomas. The papillomas are small, they're irritating, uh, they bleed, they'll mm -hmm. get infected, but they're completely non-pathogenic in terms of causing systemic disease. They're just right. locally really annoying. Yes. Uh, so it can go either way. Right. but. So, so with any of them, we want to assess them. Yeah. Kind of give our, our best opinion. You know, is that something we really need to worry about? Or is it something, no, it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And if it's something we need to worry about, you know, look, all right, well, let's, let's look at taking this thing off. Mm -hmm. um, and the sooner, the better. Yeah, because the less time it has to spread about and right. do its ugliness. Right. The, well, for two reasons. That one, for sure. Uh, but <laughs> you're, secondly, you're seeing it from a surgeon's perspective. All of a sudden, I saw where you were going. Yeah. <laughs> um, you remember back, I don't know, what was it, probably 15 minutes ago in this, this little ordeal, I was talking about the margins. Yeah. Of how much tissue you can get. Well, if you have a 30-pound dog, let's say, um, and I don't want to leave out the cats, but, but I'm going to use the dog. You know what, example. though? But they just don't get the bumps. They don't get as they, many. They, not nearly. They get a few. Um, and I'm always worried. As yeah, soon as I see a cat with a, a, bump, with a bump, I, I just like immediately like, worrisome. where's the panic button? I need to smack it. Yes. Yeah. Cats with, with lumps is, it's worrisome. Yes. It needs to come off. Yes. But say you have that, that 30 pound dog and it's, uh, we'll say a mangiosarcoma mm -hmm. on the skin and it's the size of a small gray. Okay. Well, I need to get five millimeters of clean tissue all the way around that. Okay. okay, small grape, that's doable. It's on the chest, you know, there's ribs under there, but I've got, you know, 15, 15 millimeters to get before I get to the chest. Mm -hmm. No problem. Now, you bring me that dog that has a baseball oh, mercy. on that 30 pound dog, I cannot get five millimeters of margin yep. at that point. Yeah. What's the largest tumor you've ever removed? Uh, I think I know which one it was, but I'm curious to see. had several large ones um the one that sticks in my mind 
was a dachshund. <laughs> yeah, the golden that retrievers was, was bigger, but 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 tumor to dog ratio. Tumor to dog ratio was da the dachshund. It was. Woo. Did that end up being a lipoma? It was a lipoma. This no one would touch it. No. They came from like Texas because no one. Yeah, would, it was, was huge. Uh, I mean, it's the poor dog, um, because nobody would 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 work on it at that point. Uh, I don't know that I blame them. I don't know how crazy I was for okaying that. Well, um, you just got you at that point. It was like a rock and a hard place. You yeah, had somebody had to do something. I mean, this dachshund was, and he was a bigger dachshund, probably 30, 30 pounds, maybe, maybe not quite that, maybe twenty seven. But he was a bigger, kind of older, larger frame dachshund. Um, this dachshund couldn't walk because the tumor was on his belly. You set him on his belly cold, and he yeah. was teeter tottering. Yeah. He could get his front legs on the ground with the tumor or his back legs on the ground. Couldn't both. I think that one ended up being seven pounds. Yeah, on a like seven a seven pound lipoma on what like, should have been a fifteen pound dog. Yes. Yeah, that one was crazy. That was crazy. The poor dog like had to relearn how to walk. He kept falling yeah. over because he was losing he was so used to compensating for that weight. Yeah, because it wasn't completely centered. It was a little off to one side. So um, yeah, he had had a couple three weeks there trying to figure out how to walk again yeah uh, but did great I remember so I don't do near as much surgery as you but um, like I remember doing a splenectomy one day on butters do you remember butters mm -hmm. and he had this massive massive spleen tumor I think we waited in it like I want to see if you remember the same thing I do I don't know. I know it was huge. I'm going to say 12 pounds. I feel like it, it was, was like uh, yeah, somewhere in that 10 to 12 pounds. It was up in double pounds. digits. Yeah. 10 to 12 pounds of this tumor on the spleen, this little teeny tiny spleen with this gigantic tumor on it. And I was like doing the surgery and I was like, hey, what's the biggest spleen you've ever taken out? And you were like, that one. <laughs> yes. I just stepped in and just took the spot of the biggest spleen removal in Northside history. Yes. <laughs> it was awesome. Anyway so rewarding because then he felt great like he was dying yeah. uh and then he felt great yeah he did amazing after surgery for a long time yeah i i love those spleen activities if we can get to them both before the dog is gravely ill yeah yeah you can change their life yes yeah 100 so okay it's, cool it's very rewarding yeah it is yeah and that's the whole thing right is just get ahead of it um prevent regret like i wish i'd have taken this off a year ago that's right. really kind of the take home notes for that. Right. Let your doctors do the cancer checks, please. Yeah. And and especially if you have a golden retriever, please. 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 And we'll have some and I've had some come in. Um, I'm sure Dr. Keith has too. Come in, feel a feel a little lump that yeah, we've seen it there. It's been there. I've noticed it a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it started a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it started six months ago. And we just, just noticed noticing. it, yeah. Um, which is fair. Mm-hmm. And we're like, yeah, that shouldn't be anything, but watch it. You know, if it starts doing any of the things that, that we described, you know, starts growing, changing shape, size, color, texture, you know, bring it in. But, you know, we don't think it's anything. Well, three weeks later we come in, now it's triple the size. Like, oh, okay, we're wrong. Yeah. We've got to go do something. Yeah. Yeah, so really it's about watching it over time. And I've actually seen some masses that we've aspirated at one point, and then like two years later it will start to take on a different cell population because the abnormality right. in that tissue creates an opportunity for, for a different cell type to take over, and now what wasn't a problem now is a problem. And so you're just watching for those changes. Yeah, because it's, it's, mean, it's a living organism. Yeah. I mean, when in doubt, check it out. Yes. Put that on your for bumper. Sure. <laughs> I don't know how many times I heard that going through vet school. Uh, yeah. 
for sure. Uh, it's solid advice. It is. It stands true throughout time. It is. Okay. All right. Well, anything else? Any parting words of wisdom? Um, I do have one in there that, you know, we talked about chemo and, and yeah. Dr. Keith and I, you know, may or may not do it depending on, on the situation. There's a lot of times I will not depending, you know, knowing what the tumor is, knowing the difference it makes. Um, and if, if, you know, if I'm standing in front of you and we're talking about your pet that has that, I'm going to tell you if I would do it or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, because there's no judge, because there's some of them I will not do. Yeah. Which granted, I mean, if they wanted to go somewhere, we would definitely help. Because like, we only right. can do certain chemos here. Right. We can do do certain chemos here. Not not a lot of the big, lengthy, kind of, what I say, kind of drawn out protocols. But we're using several different drugs over weeks at a time. Yeah. In there. Um, but one thing I do want to put out is the, the stigma for chemo. Because we see people going through it all the time. And, and people get sick. Yeah. I mean, they get knocked down hard. Uh, doesn't seem to do that near near anything. I mean, we ha I've true. had a few that the day after, they're just like, yeah, I don't feel great. And mm -hmm. then two days later, they're back up and doing all their normal stuff. So we don't get the side effects yeah. with the chemo that we use that, that we see in people. And I know a lot of people are, are worried about that because... Yeah, they'll, I mean, they'll say, I don't want to put them through that. And it's like, well, dogs don't really go through that per se. It's more of the whole process that's cumbersome and the time right. commitment and sometimes the financial commitment. Right. Yeah, but it's, I mean, that's that's where the, I've seen on, once I get to explaining it, most of the hesitation, um, and, which is, is fair, completely fair. You know, the, the time commitment because uh, I know one of the ones that we were doing here can get that we can do um, it's they're here one day one day a week for treatment and they have to come in another day a week for blood work and I think that's an eight-week course I'd have to look back in my book because we don't mm -hmm. do a lot of them um, but but it's a pretty big time commitment yeah. and then then financial commitment on top of that because yeah you know chemo drugs are not cheap in there, they're not anywhere near what what the human drugs versions are. Right, but 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 they're not cheap. Which um, right now, just like as we're saying that, one of our Facebookers, uh, love you, LJ, is saying, uh, get insurance before it's pre-existing. Yes, please. Yes, uh, solid advice. That get is no insurance lie. when your dog is healthy because ultimately, at some point, they're going to get sick. There, so. because we, I think, as a society, we're taking better care of our dogs now than we were forty years ago. So our dogs are living longer. So you get, and we have that. so much more available to them. Right, like, yeah, just costs more to do the fancy stuff we can do now that what we didn't do, and all we had was like steroids, right, and penicillin. You know, when when your average dog was living to five or six years, you didn't see a whole lot of whole lot of tumors masses in there. Um, no, just, they all got hit by cars or eaten by coyotes before right. they got cancer. Yeah, but now we're seeing. You know, big giant dogs, ninety pound dogs, living to 15, 16 years old. Mm -hmm. You know that that's that's just more time for those cells to to go rogue, and, and we see it more. Yep. So so we've gotten more available to us, but like I said, it still it's not cheap. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of those protocols that I I couldn't do financially mm -hmm. myself, mm -hmm. um, and that's even me getting. Getting the things that cost, yeah, yeah. Things that cost, and I and I couldn't afford to do it. So so I understand that. But there's a few that are 
at least worth exploring. Worth exploring. Um, they actually have, have one out now. I don't remember how long it's been out. Um, it's actually something that you give at home. It's a daily pill. Yeah. So so that takes a lot of the, the time management stuff mm -hmm. out of it. And, and the then, stress to the pet. Like. Right. Yeah, they don't have to be at the clinic for, you know, all day one day and then come back to, to get a needle stuck in to get blood drawn. Mm -hmm. um, I think there is still a few blood draws on, on that, but, but not near as often. So... Yeah, just just to know that that there are some options for chemo that that our pets take on. I mean, they they handle it. It's way easier on their body than it is on ours. Mm -hmm. It seems like for whatever reason. Yeah, for because a lot of the drugs are the same. Yeah, I don't know. And I I don't know how we're how just, or why we're just sensitive. Evidently. Or they're just tough. Maybe that's probably it. Yeah, because they I don't are know. tough. It probably, if I were actually going to theorize, I would say it probably has to do with the, I'm just totally guessing. I want to asterisk this conversation. This is my guess. It has to do with their blood-brain barrier because a lot of the symptoms humans have are like nausea-related. And right. so like Benadryl, for example, doesn't sedate most dogs like it does humans right. because the blood-brain barrier is so much different. So if I were actually going to guess. I, I would I would figure that plays a Because people with, of it. who are undergoing chemo are tough suckers. So I don't want to yeah. like take that from them. No. So... No, but uh, I mean, it, there's there's definitely some physiological differences that cause that. Yeah. So yeah. And so don't be afraid to check into it because you might be surprised at, at how right. well they tolerate it. Right. And and you may say, hey, I want to do everything I can for my patient and and you know for my pet and and well, like it's just like, guys, this one's bad. If we do nothing, the literature says we're going to get two months. If we do everything we can, the literature says we're going to get three months. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not really worth it. Yeah. I you mean, what in are my you doing? opinion. Yeah. In our opinion. Granted, if you decide to do it. Like, you decide to do it. You. We're, we're going to hook you up. Yeah. And then we have, so we have another Facebook person asking us, uh, what insurance, you know, do you recommend? So we, we don't really affiliate with any one particular insurance, but, no. um, I get that question. I will tell you a couple of things that are just straight fact. Uh, one is that I have pumpkin insurance on my dog. That was the one I chose, like the vegetable pumpkin and um, another thing that I is a fact is if you go to policyadvisor.com but it's p-a-w advisor.com uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's like travelocity for pet insurance so you can basically look at a bunch of different options compare them see what fits you what kind of deductibles premiums blah 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 blah, right. blah. anyway just a tangent uh, to cover that question because I, I would imagine Probably anytime. I think a whole another podcast will be done on insurance in the near future. But yeah, yeah, and, and it probably deserves its own. Um, it really does. It's upcoming <clears throat> and it's foreign and confusing, and so yeah. Yeah, and it it will help on a, a few more that I want to be a part of as well. Yeah. Because um, those TPLO surgeries are not cheap either. Oh gosh, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, the TPLO is coming. Yeah. At you at a podcast station called Vet yes. Tales. Are we yes. state? I don't think station is the right word, but you know what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. So um, to finish up with on, on the chemo, um, like we said, there's a lot of it we won't do mm -hmm. um, to our personal animals and for, for some different reasons. And, and depending on the situation you ask, we'll tell you what those reasons are. But even if we don't do chemo, we've got some other options. Mm -hmm. um, like we had mentioned that before. We've got some palliative treatment that, you know, we can get get by a lot of the the side effects that you'll see from some of those tumors, the, the nausea, the not wanting to eat, um, the pain and inflammation, things yeah. like that. We, you know, we've got a lot of 
a lot of options that are, or a fair number of options, I'm going to say a lot, but a, a fair number of options at our disposal to make them feel better while, while they're dealing with that. Yeah, palliative uh, care. Yeah, say. just palliative care. And some of that we do in addition to chemo if we want to go that route as well, um, just to help with some of the side effects of the chemo. Because some of the chemo drugs do have some side effects. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as with most drug on the shelf. Yeah, the goal is always to improve the life quality of the pet to the best of our ability in any given situation. And so it's like you have to ask what is life quality and what is this situation? And every right. one of those will be so unique that you really just, it's just a case by case, but just knowing that you have those options is right. huge. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, there's de depending on what we get back as far as a report, we typically always, not always, a huge majority of the time we have options. Yeah. Well, there's always options. You just may not like any of them. Right. But there's always options, and um, and until you know what you're dealing with, you don't know what they are. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what the options are. For sure. Yeah. Sage so advice. If you if you uh, uh, probably my final points is if you feel or see a lump or bump, get it checked out because you'd rather have it checked out and say, yeah, that's nothing, than say, then think it's nothing, and then six months down the road, now yeah. we're dealing with the basketball on the side of a 20 yes. pound dog um and just from the internal medicine person in the group uh if you have a dog over seven especially if it's purebred i think getting an internal check is a good idea which is just an x-ray and an ultrasound it's non-invasive it's not hard it's same day it's like not a big deal and that could be the difference in uh good options versus bad options yes because it uh, from the surgeon's perspective on that it's a whole lot easier to take that baseball size mass that the spleen has remove the spleen with that baseball size mass than it is to remove that spleen with a basketball size mass. Yes. No doubt. So much easier. Yeah. So cool. All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot of stuff today. I think so. Yeah. We appreciate y'all uh, being part of Vet Tales as we try to bring our stories to you for, um, you know, for you to help your pets. That's really it. Yeah, just to, to increase knowledge. Yeah, I love knowledge. Knowledge yes. is power. Okay. Yes. All right, people, it was nice spending time with you. Bye.